0: So, grow and produce. To be before you again. As I always say, I don't take it lightly. But as Suther Raven said this morning, I know I'm called. See, a problem is when you know you're called and you want to keep on running. When God calls you, you can't keep running. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. This ain't even part of my message, but somebody's running this morning. And God's saying it's time to slow down. Let me catch you. See, sometimes we want to be caught, want to be caught. Sometimes we need to be caught. See, when people when kids go and play hide, go play hide and seek, they really want to be caught deep. They, <laughs> they act like they're going to go hide. My kids used to go hide up under the bed. And then when I would come in the room, they started making noise and giggling, and I said, I know where they at. But what they were saying was, Daddy, I really want to be called. What they were saying is, I really want to be where you at. I'm just glad that you was not too tired to play hide and go seek with me tonight. See, this is what God is saying. God is saying, look, I just want to be where you at. God is saying, I just want to hold you. Come on. You having the first time business this morning? Amen, come on, come on, y'all. Amen, thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for worshiping with us on behalf of our pastor and first lady in their absence. Most definitely want to thank you for coming out and worshiping with us. How we feel about them again? Come on. We get excited. You could have went anywhere this morning, but you've been chosen to come to beyond measure. And we just want to say thank you. So going to prayer real quick because I want God to have his way and not elder Bass. Dear Father, we just come before you, first of all, to say thank you. God, we smell the spirit. God, we feel the anointing in the atmosphere, God. God, we ask you, God, that you open up our minds this morning. God, our hearts, that we may receive what you have for us this morning. God, I ask you that I may de-increase, that you increase, God. I pray that you take away anything, God, that's in this building, that's in this sanctuary, that's on the grounds, that's not in line with you and your word this morning, Open up the hearts of your people, God, that we may receive your word, God. We just thank you for who you are. Thank you for this opportunity, God. We thank you, God, for blessing us up, God, waking us up in our right minds this morning, God. Allowing us to able to walk this morning, being able to talk, being able to drive, God. The things that so many people take for granted, God, we just want to say thank you. God, we just thank you. God, we give you all the honor. We give you all the praise and we yield this service to you. And in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And before you have your seat, we you want to go through the scripture because I don't want you working too much this morning. But most definitely want to make sure you're in tune with where God has taken us this morning. Scripture is going to be coming from Exodus 16 verses 1 through 3. Again, we'll be coming from Exodus 16 verses 1 through 3. Amen. And the word of God reads as follows. When they journeyed from Elam, the entire company of Israelites came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after the exodus from the land of Egypt. The entire company of Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the desert. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the fullness, for you have brought us out into this desert to kill us all with hunger. You may have a seat. I just think about the Christian life, and I think about how many times that no matter what God does for us, if He doesn't continue to do everything that we ask and pray for, that we begin to complain. Even though God has blessed us and given us a reasonable portion of, a portion of health, strength and our right minds, we have homes. We have clothes, we have food, we have cars to drive, we have significant others, our children. We have so many things to be thankful for, but somehow we find ourselves murmuring and complaining just as the Israelites did when God had delivered them from Egypt. Today, we have a message that's gonna be nice and easy. It's going to be easy like Sunday morning. Oh. I ain't going to do a whole lot of hooping and hollering today. We're going to be easy like Sunday morning. But I want you to get it this morning because it's good. It's a little bit of a follow-up from last week. Y'all know we ended last week saying that it was time to rest in God. And, of course, I made it clear when I talk about rest, not talking about so much physical rest, but we're talking about a spiritual rest. But today, the title of my message is going to be a simple one, and it is Have Your Nest Become Too Cozy. Oh, I want you to go with me this morning. Have Your Nest Become Too Cozy. Can y'all see that picture good? Man, that bald eagle looks mighty comfortable, don't he? The nest looks good. Everything is look like he's got it set up just like he wanted. Everything is perfect. I, I I thank God for my wife who found this picture for me because she always tells me I get the wrong size pictures but because I'm blessed with a better half, she takes care of me. I get amen. 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 Hey look, you ain't in this thing by yourself. Come on, everybody needs somebody. Amen. See, it appears that the Israelites had become too cozy in Egypt. So cozy that basically they forgot that God had delivered them from slavery. At this point in Exodus, they were no longer in Egypt. They had been delivered from Egypt. They were no longer under the rule of Pharaoh. They actually, God had used Moses to be the, the tool and the instrument to deliver them out of slavery. But we see here in Exodus 16, somehow... Just, just as we do, they easily have forgotten what God has done for them in such the recent past. Even though they were not slaves anymore physically, they were still enslaved mentally. Oh, I need you to catch it this morning. Because somebody may say, I've never been to prison in the physical, but I can guarantee you, you've been in prison in the mental. Mm. And if you're not careful, truth be told, we probably 50, 50, 50 percent of us are still in prison in our mind right now for some things that we used to do in the past. And God is saying, I'm coming here today because I want to set you free from your own self-made prison. See, we can't stop thinking about how cozy the nest of sin was. know I know we we saved now we sanctified we looking good everybody everybody y'all know I got a suit on today y'all know I don't wear suits but I figure I put a suit on today we've got a busy day today and I won't have time to change so I said I would go ahead and get dressed right so I'm looking good but the reality is just because I look good don't mean I'm not dealing with a form of sin just because we look good don't mean we don't have issues. Just because we look good don't still don't mean that we're not still in the flesh. No matter how good we look and how good we dress it up, we are still fleshly beings. But I think we struggle with that because we don't want to really admit how good sin really feels. Say, so you don't get no amen, so it's a roll on that. Because we in church. But the truth, the Daphne, is sin actually feels pretty good to the flesh. Right? That's why we struggle when God calls us out of it because it's a place of coziness. It feels good. And guess what? We know what it feels like and we know what we need to be, but it feels so good. Oh, come on. Y'all ain't going to talk to me this morning. Look, look, look. You ain't got to look at your neighbor. Look right at me. Ain't nobody going to judge you this morning. Okay, it's okay. Look right at me. Don't even look to your left or your right. Look right at me this morning. We're going to be honest and transparent this morning because somebody needs to be delivered. See, God didn't deal with me until 442 this morning for me not to deliver a word of deliverance this morning. See, because if he didn't want you to deliver it, he wouldn't have still had me typing at 442 this morning when my baby was snoring. Amen. I my road dog. Tapped out on me about 2 o'clock this morning. She hung the two though. Amen. See, make sure that you're just resting and not nesting too long. Like I said, last week we ended the word on resting, but if you're not careful, your resting can turn into nesting. But see, there's a dramatic difference from resting and nesting. Sometimes we get into a place of nesting. See, we 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 get real cozy, and we want to snuggle up, and we you know we want to feel that blanket on us, and guess what? We want to feel those arms around us. We want to feel those legs. We want to feel those toes wiggling. Come on, somebody. That's when we begin to nest. But when God said, "I want you to rest," He didn't say, "I need you to nest." See, a nest is somewhere that an animal. Resides for safety and comfort. A nest can be in a tree or it can be in a ground. Eagle's nest, bird's nest, wasp's nest, bee's nest, raccoon's nest, squirrel's nest. All these animals nest. But today, we're going to focus on the bald eagle. I got a fascination with the bald eagle. I have been intrigued with the bald eagle ever since I got saved when I read about the bald eagle in the words. Something about the bald eagle, something about how the mother eagle operates, something about the design, the structure, the way the family is set up. It fascinates me. And I wanted to share that with you this morning and hopefully maybe you'll be blessed how I've been blessed. See, an eagle's nest is called an Aries. When a mother eagle creates a nest for her eaglets, she does not intend for the eaglets to stay in the nest forever. When a mother eagle, eagle creates a nest for her eaglets, it is only a temporary place of habitat. She did not create that nest thinking that that eagle was going to be there until that baby was full grown. I need you to go with me. See, the mother eagle has a specific plan to increase the chances of her offspring's survival. See, the nest is not just a place for the eagles to be comfortable, but it is a place that she can assure that that baby eaglet will be able to survive. Not... She can't assure it 100%, but what she's able to do by creating this nest, she doesn't create the nest halfway the length of the tree, three quarters of the tree. She puts the nest at the very top of the tree. And if she can find a cliff that's in her habitat, she will put it up on a cliff because that increases the chance of the baby eaglets not being eaten or devoured by a predator. So, what I'm saying is she has a specific plan and purpose and design when she is thinking about where and how she is going to create this nest. I'm painting a picture for you. Just ride with me. She, she has to be very strategic in order for her young to survive. In most cases, the eagles are oblivious to the danger that is surrounding them. If you think about a baby eaglet, that baby eaglet does not have a clue the danger that they're in. They don't have a clue of the predators that wish and desire to devour them. All they know is they sit in their cozy nest. Mama's going to go out and bring them some worms. She's going to make sure they're fed. She's gonna make sure they got plenty of feathers, plenty of sticks, whatever they need in the nest to stay cozy. But the thing is they don't know that it's only for a period of time. See, it's only, come on, help me preach. It's only for a season. That's what I'm talking about. Help me preach, sister Jackie. Only for a season. Mm. See, the same goes for us as Christians. God wants to make sure that we're safe. See, but he's more focused on our safety than our comfort. Oh, I know that may sound contrary. I know you say God wants me to be comfortable, but guess what? He's more focused on your safety. I want my family to be comfortable. All that is great, but guess what? My main objective as the man, the head of the house, is for my family to be safe. It's my number one objective. Everything else comes behind that. You got A, and then you got B, C, D, E, F, G, but my main objective is the safety of my wife and my kids. That's the number one. That's what God is saying to you. Yeah, I want you to be comfortable, I would like for you to have the big house, i like for you to have the big car, I would like for you to have the, the, the perfect mate that you think six foot three, 180 pounds, all that stuff. See, my wife missed out on that, see? I'm six foot two, I ain't six foot three. Somebody catch that? 185 pounds, ain't 190. Somebody catch that? But we got a picture of what the perfect mate looks like. And God is saying, no, I'm going to give you security. I'm going to give you safety. I'm going to give you reliability. I'm going to give you responsible, somebody that's responsible. I'm going to give you somebody that can provide for you. Right, The package may not look like what we think it should look like, but God am going to give you what you need. Mm. And yeah, We get confused about what we want and what we need. There's two dramatic different spectrums on the scale. Mm. See, God has great intentions for our lives. He wants nothing but the best for us. How do I know? Psalms 139, 16 through 17 says, For your eyes saw my substance. Being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the day's fashioned for me. When as yet there were none of them, how precious also are your thoughts towards me. Oh God, how great is the sum of them all. See, this is the word. See, God has to be very strategic in order to maneuver us from the attacks of the enemy. The enemy is looking to take us out. There's no in between. We're still standing. We're still fighting. His sole goal is to take us out. Exodus 14:14 says the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. See, you ain't got to go and try to fight the battle for yourself. The battle is already won. God said, just be still. But that's hard for us. We struggle with being still. We struggle with being silent. We struggle with listening to God's still voice. Our very own survival depends on God's, God's strategic moves for our lives. Just like the eagles, many of us are oblivious to the dangers that surround us. How many times have you noticed the danger with somebody in your life? If it's your kids, your wife, your brother, your cousin, somebody, you see the danger, but for some reason they don't see the danger. Sometimes when you're in the forest, it's hard to see the trees because there's too many of them. But what God is saying is, listen, I see the danger. Psalms 59.3 says, For behold, they that have set an ambush up for my life, fierce men launch an attack against me, not for my transgression, for not for my sin, O Lord. What David is saying, I don't know why they're attacking me. I know you're saying, I don't know why they're talking about me. I don't know why they're posting this about me. I don't know why they mean mugging me. They don't have to have a reason. It's the enemy. It's not always the person. It's the enemy in the person. It's the, sometimes it's not the man. It's the spirit behind the man or woman. Yes. Psalms 27.2 says, When the wicked advance against me to devour me. Uh-huh. That word devour has power. Yes. He said he's coming to devour. When, you, when something is about to be devoured, it means it's about to be taken out. Yes. Nothing is going to be left. Not a not not partial, everything will be devoured if the enemy had his way. If you become too cozy, it's natural to let your guard down. And when you in the bed and you resting and you sleeping, all you got your guard on. You ain't thinking about nothing but how good that pillow feels. Thank God that alarm clock ain't went off. Man, this was the therapeutic feels good on my back. When you cozy, you ain't got your guards up. Last week we talked about resting in God, but it doesn't mean come off of your post. You can rest but still be on your post. You can rest and still have your eye out for the enemy. You can rest and still have one eye open while you're sleeping, somebody. The watchman has to always be on post. Everyone can't be sleeping at the same time. Somebody has to be awake. Can you imagine if we all were to sleep, all got nice and cozy here in the church, if everybody went on sabbatical, if everybody was asleep? If everybody was so cozy that guess what? I'm just so cozy. I don't want to go to Bible study. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like hearing pastor. I don't feel like I don't feel like working on hospitality. Guess what? I'm, I'm cozy this morning. I don't feel like singing this morning. What if sister Daphne said the bed feels so cozy? I don't want to get up this morning. We wouldn't have been blessed. Think about it, I guarantee you, she didn't feel like getting up this morning, but guess what? God used her. Let me tell you, I don't feel like being up here now. I'm tired. Guess what? But God is going to use me this morning. I believe in being transparent. My body is tired. I did not sleep at all last night. I lay down at 442, got a text at 444. I rocked the road all the way to 630 when the long clock went off. But guess what? I got a purpose. I got a call. It's not about me. It's about what God has called me to do. I know that God is gonna let me rest when I get home, but guess what? I got a purpose and assignment right now. See, there's four signs that your Christianity has become a little bit too comfortable. As mature Christians, we should be afraid of becoming too comfortable. Number one, your friends and co-workers are surprised to learn that you are a Christian. Oh. Come on, somebody. They get in the car wishing to go get lunch and you playing Donald McClurk and they looking at you like, why are you playing Donald McClurk? You know what they saying? I didn't know you was a Christian. Girl, the way you cussed out your boss last week, I didn't know you was a Christian. Really? You? You a Christian? Oh, my God. That's what they're saying. That means you're a little bit too comfortable with your Christianity. A sure sign your faith is too comfortable if nothing in your life is set apart as you are a Jesus follower. A comfortable Christian is the one who easily blends in looking and talking and acting like everybody else. If you look like everybody else, if you go to work and, and, and you do everything everybody else do, you talk like everybody else, you gossip like everybody else, you're doing everything that everybody else doing, that's an issue. You are not like everybody else. We are a chosen people. We are set apart. It's something special about us. We're not like everybody else. Stop trying to be like the status quo. We set the trends. We don't follow. We lead, we don't follow. I'm gonna see can I remember it? I put a quote on the on the board at the school other day is don't always follow behind somebody at somebody else's path. Be a trendsetter and set your own trail. See, it's the difference between a path and a trail. A path, everybody just falls around, but a trail is something that's carved out and niched out that'll last for a lifetime. See, when you go on a trail, when we go on the mountain, there's trails that's been there for hundreds of years, D, down there on Nishi Mountain, But a path, a path is something that can easily be covered up, but a trail lasts forever. You need to leave a trail in your Christianity, not just a little path. Number two, you never think about or remember the Sunday sermon on Monday. Ooh, somebody! I know that stepping on somebody's toes. I'm sorry. This happened to me. Somebody asked me asked me money. What? What did Pastor preach about? Oh, it was a good word. <laughs> the praise scene. Boy, boy, they, boy, boy, you ain't did this thing. Well, bro, bad. But what did Pastor preach about? Oh, it was good. <laughs> I've been there, right? But what that reminds me, boy, you need to tighten up because you was in service, but guess what? You wasn't there mentally, right? But you was there physically. Your body was there, but you was unattached to what was going on. See, if certain sermons at your church are so forgettable for you or you're so disengaged that you really recall them at the church, that's an issue. If the pastor can preach and all you thinking about is man, I'm ready to go to Texas House to get them honey butter, uh, what's them things, honey butter, what where, where my son at? Them rolls. He called them that yummy bread. <laughs> y'all come on, y'all know, come on, y'all know what that yummy bread is. And if they ain't even praise him many down. Are you thinking about that yummy bread? We got an issue. At least wait the pastor come to his first last closing before you start talking about yummy bread. Pastor, you'll catch that. <laughs> look, look, get a man. At least his first, first closing. Yes, hey, Amen. <laughs> Biblical preaching shouldn't leave us unchallenged or unchanged. We don't come to church not to be challenged. I love a good challenge. I know I need to be changed. I know my mind needs to be renewed. I know I, I'm not where I need to be, right? We have to, I, I need to be challenged daily. I don't want to be around people that don't challenge me. I don't want to be the smartest person in the room all the time. It's okay every once in a while, but not all the time. Man, if I, look, it, it, look it's taxing if you're the smartest person all the time. Somebody got to always come to you. Guess what? You never get a break. You never get any rest because you're the smartest person in the room. Look, man, I need a break. I need some time off. Right? Well, pastors bless him and the wife. And he, look, guess what? He, he like we talking about this morning, I had to train some people up so that he can get a break. He can't preach every Sunday. Then that's why he won't be able to get a, a break. Won't be able to rest. You can't take off, pastor, but you can rest a little bit. Hebrews 4.12, this is the word. The word of God is saying, living, the word of God is a living and active sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the division of soul, of spirit, of joints, and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word should convict you. It should convict me. When pastors preaching over there, Sunday, even though I'm an assistant pastor, guess what? I get convicted. The word is doing what it should do. I live in the same world you live in. I see the same things you see. I had the same temptations that you have. I gotta have the word. I got. I gotta be taught. I gotta be cleansed. I, I need to be purged. I, I need some praise and worship. I need something to get in my mind and keep my mind where I need to be. Because the world would take you to a place and before you know it, you don't know how you got there. Man, how did I get here? Man, where am I at? People wake up the next morning, where am I at? How did I get here? That's what the world will do to you. It'll drug you, it'll put something in your drink before you know it, you're somewhere you never thought you would be. Or you back somewhere you never thought you would go back to. That's even worse. Going back to a place God has already delivered us from. Number three. No one at your church ever annoys you. This is for somebody. I thought this was good. When I got the pen and this down. I said, oh, this is for me. This is for everybody in here. No one at your church ever annoys you. That means you are too comfortable. I know that may not sound right, but that is true. If nobody in here ever gets on your nerve, that means you're a little bit too comfortable. That means you ain't working for the kingdom. That means you ain't been working on no events. That means you you, you ain't assisting nobody. You ain't serving nobody. That means you ain't doing nothing but coming in, getting the word, and be telling out of here. And that's fine, but guess what? Even then, you're going to be annoyed. Even then, you're going to be annoyed. If you go to church with people who are always easy to talk to, always fun to be around, closely aligned with your opinions, your tastes, your preferences, your Christianity is too comfortable. If everybody's always agreeing with you, that's an issue. You in church and every idea you that you throw up, you think the pastor's supposed to run with it. You think that whoever's over that ministry is supposed to run with it. Well, I gave my idea. They' supposed to run with it. No. It's something that's going to be considered. It's something that's going to be prayed on. Right? Something that may be brought before the board. But guess what? Everything is done in decency and in order. One of the glorious things about the gospel is that it creates a new community out of desperate individuals. Anybody here ever been desperate? Come on. That in many cases would not otherwise choose to spend time together. You ain't got to look around, but I guarantee you it ain't too many people you can count on your hands that you spend time with outside of Sunday morning. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's a reality. We're a bunch of misfits that are brought together on Sunday morning to worship and praise God and to be taught how to live. That's what we are. We're a bunch of misfits. And guess what? Misfits annoy each other. You can't put a bunch of misfits together and think that everything is going to be smooth. Come on, you can't, you can't put a bunch of know it all together and think that everything is going to be all right, mama. Ain't going to be no no no, no confusion, uh, no discord. That ain't how it's made, it's not how it's set up. But God's I'm going to bring you all together, put you up on the one, up on the one roof, upon the one voice, upon the one leader. And guess what? I'm going to allow you to build that wall. You don't know how you're going to do it. We all talk in different languages. But guess what? We're going to accomplish the goal that God has set out for this ministry. You might be building on one side of the building and I'm building on the other side of the building. But guess what? The building is going to get built. We ain't got to work hand in hand to build a building. I tell people to say, well, I don't like so-and-so. So what? And look, you can go here and work on the other side. I need you out here to work this yard sale. I don't care who you don't like. I need you to take this money. I need you to feed these hot dogs. I need you to fry these fish. I don't care what kind of issue you got with brother so-and-so sister so-and-so. I need you to fold these clothes. We need some stuff that need to come out the back. I don't care what issue you got. It's kingdom work. Your personal issue don't matter to me. We're here to do kingdom work. Everybody get fucked up. I don't want to be, no, 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 look, whatever. What is it, a 5B, whatever. Get a little, keep 10 feet apart from them. I don't care. We're here to do kingdom work. We're here to make an impact. We're here to change lives. Don't allow your personal feelings to stop God's ministry. Number four, you never feel challenged, only affirmed. Mm. If your Christian faith never confronts your self made idols or challenges your sinful habits, that's an issue. I didn't say you're going to hell. I just said we all have sinful thoughts or sinful habits that we are participating in or have participated in or will be participating in. Ain't a lot of amens, but it's true. Right? If you look too long, that's a sin. If you think about what it looked like without those pants on, that's a thing. Come on, somebody. If you hope he can jump in like rock can jump in and make the picture, up, that's a sin. You want to go to the movies because so and so is in the movies, and you sit there less that's a sin. For those folks who think they don't sin, right? For those we know, some of us got it all together, and we know we don't have no issues. I'm, I'm cool with that. Guess what? But I'm just gonna remind you, we all are flesh. Healthy faith doesn't just celebrate you as you are, but relentlessly molds and refines you into the likeness of Christ. Healthy faith will refine you. Refinement is a beautiful but necessary process. Sometimes we have to be refined. Even though we think we got it all together, sometimes we got to be refined. Gold has to go through a refining process. The ore that goes in your car, it comes out as crude oil, but it has to go through a refining process. The gasoline, that premium, has to go through a refining process in order for us to use it. And that's what God is saying. I need to refine you so I can use you. Are you willing to have your nest stirred up? All right, this is my first clothes, y'all. My first clothes. Are you willing to have your nest stirred up? God wants to stir our nest in order to keep us alive. Deuteronomy 32, 11, here Moses is speaking of a depiction of Christ to come in the Old Testament. He says in 32, 11, he says an eagle stirs up its nest. It hovers over its young, spreading its wings, taking them up and carrying them on its wings to safety. Has Christ ever covered over you and protected you from something? Yeah. I ain't got a lot of claps, but everybody should be clapping about that. Everybody should be clapping about that. Has Christ ever protected you from something, covered you up, hovered over you? Yes, he has. Do you recall him picking you up from your mess? Yes, he has. Have you ever been carried on his wings? Yes, I have. Doesn't it feel good to know that you're not alone? There's something good about knowing look, look look even though my baby was sleep last night it was good to know that i wasn't alone y'all brother david told me his wife had to, went out of town for a few days and he he came to the shop that friday he said bass i'm gonna go and pick her up we supposed to meet halfway but i am thinking about going all the way and pick her up he said he said it don't feel good to be alone sister monique i'm gonna give, I'm gonna give him a little props i'm gonna pat him on the back because he was talking about you at the shop. he said bro i miss my wife they don't feel good sleeping in that bed by myself bro bass I said brother while well, I travel with my wife every time she go out of town and <laughs> hey, look every so often mama hone in and take my trip I, I, I bless mama because mama wanna ride every so often I let mama go but I say look mama hey, look, you can't take this trip I'm going she going for five days I said, hey, hey, hey. look, she can't be gone for five days, mama. I <laughs> said, hey, I gotta got make this trip. We gotta speed that thing up, Larry. You do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'ma fly in on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and you can't have it all to yourself. We gotta share my baby. Come on. <laughs> hey, hey, I keep it real. Y'all act like you're macho and all that you want to. Sleeping on the couch by yourself. Hey, that ain't me. I know what I got. Mm, come on somebody. Hey, I ain't ashamed to say it. I ain't ashamed to say it. You better start being able to speak loudly about what God has blessed you with. Yeah, you look up and it'll be gone. You wonder what happened. How did I get here? He say, what happened? How did I get here? Don't know what happened. Come on, there you go, Joe. The question is, what makes your nest so cozy? See, That differs from everyone. Everyone has a different thing that makes their nest so cozy. But we all have a nest and we need to get out of it sometime. See, your nest could be anything, any form of sin. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be adultery. It could be sleeping around. Sleeping around with somebody's wife. Whatever it could be, right? Right? Casual sex, homosexuality, adultery, thievery, lying, gossiping, slandering, perpetrating, faking, wanting to be somebody you're not. Whatever your nest is, only you know. I could go on and on and on. My wife told me, okay, that's enough. That's enough. I said, baby, the list could go on. She told me last night. But how, how, how long ago I said, look, this, this is the key. This is my first closing. This is the key to my message. They need to know what that nest is that they need to be getting out of. She said, okay, well, I don't know what you're preaching about. Go ahead, then. I said, yeah, I got this. We're going to go back to sleep. I said, yeah, we need to know. I don't want nobody to be, be mistaken about what that nest I'm talking about. Mm, see, you' are saying, well, Brother Bass didn't come down my road. If I didn't come down your road, I'm coming down your road. See, the mother eagle knows when it's time to stir up the nest. The mother eagle knows that time is steadily ticking away day by day. She knows that the time is running out. It's time to stir up the nest. If she doesn't get them out in time, then the nest can become a trap. She knows that it's only a matter of a time before a predator will find her eaglets. Even though she has put the eaglets and their nest up on the side of the cliff, high as she could go, she knows at some point of time a rattlesnake, a carpethead, is going to come climbing up that mountain to get her precious babies. So she knows that it's time to stir up this nest. I can't keep them here too long. I need to stir up this nest. At this point, the nest no longer performs the task that it was created to perform. Now, the nest is no longer a place of safety and comfort. It is now turning into a trap. The nest experience can be confusing for us just as the eaglets. Just as the eaglets, we may not understand why we are being kicked out of our nest. What are you doing, God? Why Why are you shifting me this way? Why are you moving this way? Why am I so uncomfortable? God, what are you doing? God is saying, just sit back and relax and enjoy the ride. Again, our nest of sin feels like a safe place. It's comfortable, it's familiar, it's what we know. Boundaries have been marred to keep the enemy out and also it's been marred to keep us in, in our nest. And yet the day comes just as the eagle does to the eaglets, God stirs up our nest. Just when we was resting and cozy and got snowy in and I sin and feeling like everything is so good, we booed up. Knowing we out of pocket, but hey, it's okay, but I'm feeling good, Right. Knowing I'm dipping and dabbing in some things that I shouldn't be dipping in. But guess what? My pockets is feeling good. I'm feeling good right about now, right? I done lied my way to the top. I done cheated my way to the top. I done slandered somebody. I done stepped on some folks to get to where I'm at. I'm feeling good right now. My nest feels good. I'm cozy. I'm sleeping like a fat rat right now. And lo and behold, God comes and starts staring some things up in your life. And you'll start to say, God, what are you doing? Why right now? I'm feeling so good. What was once a comfortable place now becomes messy. What was once was comfortable to us becomes frightening, confusing, disrupted, unorganized. That's what our lives becomes when we stay in the nest too long. We become confused, disoriented. We don't know if we're coming or going. The things we once enjoyed is no longer desirable to us. It's funny how our perspectives change as we get closer to God. Oh, as, you, as, you, as God pulls you close to the things that used to incite you, don't excite you no more. The places that you, they used to turn you on and you get goosebumps about, they don't turn me on no more. Oh, the, 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 the things I used to watch on TV, somebody catch that, they, they, they don't excite me no more. Oh, I got everything I need. I ain't got to do those things I used to do. Go to the places I used to go. God has provided me everything that I need. Come on, somebody. We got the kids in here, so I got to be good. Come on. <laughs> God is actually trying to protect us from ourselves and our enemies at the same time. He doesn't want our nest to become a prison. He doesn't want our nest to become a prison. If we stay in our nest too long, the end is no longer an incubator. It becomes a coffin. If you're going to stay in the incubator too long, you will die. Life does not go into a coffin. Only dead things belong in a coffin. I need you to catch that. If you're living, you're pumping, get out of the incubator of sin and allow God to pump life back into you. I don't care how it feels, how it looks, what they're talking about you, it don't matter. God is able to pump life back into the dead bones. Just as the mother eagle knows that the eaglet was not created to stay in the nest, but rather to soar to amazing heights and explore the world. God knows we wasn't designed in this to stay in the nest forever. Do you think that God didn't know that you were going to be in the nest when he created you? That he didn't know the thoughts and the things that we was going to do. And the decisions that we was going to make. God knew it when he created us. Rather we were created to soar. Just like the eagle. Isaiah Isaiah 40.31 says. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with, with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. His plans for us will blow our mind. He can't give it to us all at one time. He has plans for you that if he gave it to you, you would not know what to do with it. I got to give you a little piece, a little bit at a time. You take a kindergarten, you can't give a kindergarten an algebra. It'll blow their minds. Even though the teacher knows one day they'll be doing algebra with no problem. Geometry with no problem. But in first grade, they're going to learn how to count. They're going to learn how to add and subtract. His plans for us blow our mind. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. 11, Sister Raven said this morning, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord's plans to profit you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. The beautiful thing about God is when he kicks us out of the nest, he exposes us to a whole new world that we never knew existed. A world of no mores. So many times we get caught up with, the, with life and all the things. God will expose us if we get out of the nest. If we allow him to stir the nest up and kick us out, he will, exp- and he will introduce us to a world of no mores. No more pain and no more heartache. No more suffering. First Peter 5:10 says, "And the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered for a little while, will Himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Only for a little while. No more pain. No more suffering. He's a God of no more letdowns, no more disappointments." Psalms 30:11, 12 says, "You turn my wailing into dancing." You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. Oh, guess what, I'm gonna come down your road. He's the God of no more sleepless nights and no more thoughts of suicide. Psalms 35 says, for his anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor lasts for a lifetime. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Oh, I, di- I didn't get you yet, let me get you. No more stress and no more anxiety attacks. First Peter 5, 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I missed somebody over here, let me get you right quick. He says, no more sickness or disease. Oh, Jeremiah 17, 14 says, heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. He says, save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. Oh, he said, by his stripes, we are healed. We're covered by the blood. No more sickness and no more disease. Oh, somebody over here said I didn't get you, I'm coming your way. No more arguing and fighting. No more striking back. Guess what? I, I, I ain't got to strike back. I ain't got to argue. Guess what? God does my arguing. Come on. Philippians 4, 7 says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. We will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Hey, look, hey, look, if your partner wanna argue, say, look, not today. He said, I'm about to operate in peace. I don't want to argue today. I don't want to fight today. I don't gotta come back today. Yeah, baby, you're right. It's okay. I wash the dishes, I pull up the stool, I empty the trash, I put gas in the car. I don't want to fight. I want peace. Hey, sometimes it's time to get peace. No more fighting. No more strife And right here in the middle I heard you brother Terry Because I know you're a business owner I got you No more lacking poverty No more paycheck to paycheck Not saying it's you But if you're a business owner I know how it is Proverbs ten twenty two says The blessing of the Lord Make a person rich And he adds sorrow No sorrow with it God says I'm a God Of no more If you're willing to get out of that nest No more pain no more stress. No more anxiety attacks. No more thoughts of suicide. No more arguing in the house. No more fighting over frivolous, frivolous issues that mean virtually nothing. No more lack, no more poverty. God is saying, just get out of the nest. He said, I'm a God of no morals. I got everything you need if you're willing to get out of the nest, Elder Swan. He said, all I need you to do is just get out of the nest. Sister Scott, if you you want what God got for you, just get out of the nest. If you're tired of being in a the nest that you know that's not created for you, your nest has become has become messy, has become organized, it, it's got you all confused and you're not understanding what's happening, it's time to get out of the nest. Everyone stand in. I know. I know. I know everything ain't what it seems know you got all the weight on your shoulders you're trying to figure it out on the fly kids looking up to you your wife some cases the husband looking up to you sometimes you don't even know how you're gonna get to work already on a spare and that's leaking God is saying you don't have to deal with it no more. God is saying if you're willing to just become uncomfortable, God is saying just trust me. I know it's hard. I know trust is something that that we struggle with as a people. But God is saying just trust me. He said I guarantee you. If you just let go and let me let me drive I know you've been driving for 30 40 50 60 70 some of us 80 years we don't know what it means to sit in the passenger seat but God is saying today I need you to get out of the driver's seat God is saying, if you if you tired of dealing with all the stuff that I preached about this morning, all the things that's on that list, if you want your life back, somebody's going to experience the goodness of God. Somebody in this room has done taste and has, has has had a chance to witness what God can do and where you can go. we were talking about it this morning in back. Once God has done something for you, you've taken you somewhere, and you go back, Worse than never experiencing God in the first place. Mm -hmm. I don't know who you are. I'm not going to hold you, but I just want to be a point of contact. I just want you to walk and just touch my hand. I am not...